Having done all of that, I've got one other announcement that I need to make and one other prayer, and then we're going to step into God's Word this morning. Last Sunday, when I began stuttering, I completely forgot uh, our Light the Night campaign. And, and uh, so I want to take just a moment to remind each of you that on October the 31st, we will be having a drive-through trunk or treat here. If you can participate, we would love to have you participate. But if you can participate, we need you to call in or email Autumn in the church office and let her know as soon as possible because if we don't have enough people to volunteer, we can't do it. So if you can participate, please let her know as soon as possible. Some of you, again, live in neighborhoods or in communities where there will be a lot of trick-or-treaters that will come by your house. And it might be that the best thing for you to do on October 31st is not to be here, but to be in your front yard with the lights on and a handful of cards like this and a bucket full of candy that just greets people as they come near your home and to tell them that you've been praying for them, that churches have been praying for them, and that God loves them. So however it is that you want to minister, what we want to do is encourage you and urge you to serve the Lord in the capacity that he's given you. But we are going to continue to pray. And this week, we're going to be praying specifically. We've got five things we're going to focus on. So unity in our community, wisdom for our leaders, which we did pray for on Wednesday night. Um, safety during COVID-19 is what we're going to be praying for right now. So if you join with me in a word of prayer as we continue in this effort to uh, pray for our community. Lord God, we come to you praying specifically for the citizens of our community to remain safe and for a COVID-19 cure and or vaccine to be developed soon, Father God. We are uh, weary, as so many others are, of living in uh, this age, and yet, Father God, you've got us in this for reasons that, um, that Father God, we may never know. God, you've allowed this, and Father God, it's possible that you've allowed this, Father, as a way to get our attention to call us back to you. But Father God, I do pray that you would bring healing to those who are ill. Father God, I pray that you would bring uh, wisdom to those who are making decisions related to the safety and the efficacy of drugs and vaccines that we made available. Father God, I pray for our doctors and our nurses, Lord God, that you would give them wisdom and safety during these times. That Father God, for all of us as we um, seek to go about our, our everyday life, Lord God, that you would help us, God, to stay safe, Lord, to remain vigilant in these things. And Father God, even in places like our nursing homes, Father, where so many of our folks have been separated from the people that they love, Lord God, I pray today specifically for those folks. God, I pray that you would, um, God, I pray that you would remind them that they're loved and they're cared for. Uh, Father God, you would be with family members as they seek to find ways that they can care for those from whom they're separated. Father God, we pray that you would bring us through this quickly, Father God, that we could see an end to this in sight. And that, Father, in the midst of it, that you'd be honored and praised and glorified for your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. No, we are not in chapter 3. We're in chapter 12. Hebrews, chapter 12. Some of you have complained about the cold weather. Y'all, seriously, we were out here when it was 108. Let's celebrate this. This is great. It's wonderful. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews 12. Stand with me in honor of God's Word. We're going to be in verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, 
to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels and festal gatherings, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray one more time. Lord God, I pray that the fire of your Holy Spirit would visit us this morning. That, Father, we would never lose the reference that is due your name as we consider this unshakable kingdom that you've called us to. Lord God, may we recognize and appreciate just exactly what we've been given in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Are you living as a citizen of heaven? I mean, really, are you living as a citizen of heaven? Sometimes we need to be reminded of what we have, and sometimes we can forget that, can't we? We can forget how good we have it. I don't know if this is true, but according to Aubrey, Pastor's Kid Appreciation Day is a real thing. And according to Aubrey, it happened a few weeks ago. I think it was last weekend. I don't know if it's real, but just to make sure I was safe, I bought the kids donuts. You know, for pastor's kids, sometimes they experience a degree of stress related to being in the spotlight, especially when their dad talks about them in sermons. (laughs) Sorry, guys. But a friend of mine had a teenage daughter who struggled greatly in her faith, and one day she complained about all the stress of being a pastor's kid. He listened, but then he did something I've never, ever considered before. He said to her, he said, yes. It is true that because you're a PK, there's a lot of stress that comes in your life. People are certainly sometimes looking at you under a microscope, but you also have privileges that no other teenager in our church has. He said, because of your relationship to me, you have relationships with every leader in our church. Every single adult in our church knows who you are and would be willing to help you in any way. He said, not every kid has that privilege. Not every kid is known by everybody. Rhonda does a really good job of reminding me on occasion that the pastor's kids have to endure certain things, she said, so they should get certain privileges since they have to go through other things. Folks, sometimes we can forget what we have because the only thing we seem to be able to focus on is what we're missing out on. We we can forget the privileges that we have because all we can see are the responsibilities Are you living as a citizen of heaven? Sometimes all we can see is what I have to do as a follower of Jesus. I can forget what I get to have as a follower of Jesus Christ. The people to whom this preacher in Hebrews was writing were in danger of forgetting the privileges that they had. We've seen that they were beginning to experience a degree of persecution. He warned them last week, hey, it's not really gotten that bad. 
Last week we looked at how we don't need to panic when life gets a little challenging. There's a lot more stuff that could come our way. We need to step back and appreciate the opportunities and privileges that we have. Well, this morning I want to ask you, are you living as a citizen of heaven? And if you are, then pay close attention because maybe you can dig in a little deeper. But if you have forgotten what a privilege it is, let me give you three imperatives this morning that I think you can cling to. The first thing I want you to do is to stop wandering. Now, if you go back and think about what we just read there in the beginning, we've got this reference to the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. And the writer of Hebrews says to them, hey, there was a time when the people gathered together and God thundered from heaven. And it was terrifying and it was scary. God's decree was so great that it was don't even let animals touch the mountain. And Moses trembled with fear as he ascended to the top of that mountain where God would give his Ten Commandments. But folks, I want you to know, and what he wants us to understand, is that we are no longer at the foot of Mount Sinai. We've not been brought to the mountain. We've been brought to the holy city of God, Jerusalem. And in that place, we've been delivered from our wandering. Do you understand that as they walked to Mount Sinai and they received the Ten Commandments, they were doing so fully understanding and appreciating that they had not yet arrived at the place to where they were going. They were wandering in the wilderness waiting for the time when God would deliver them into the promised land. But as followers of Jesus Christ, folks, we are no longer wandering blindly in the wilderness. We've been delivered from our suffering and our shame. We've been set free from our wandering and we've been set into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Too many believers spend their life wandering in the wilderness when you ought to be living with Jesus. You two sang it pretty well. I believe in the kingdom come. Then all the colors will bleed into one. Bleed into one, but yes, I'm still running. You broke the bonds and you loosened the chains. Carried the cross of my shame. My shame, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Why are they still looking? That's what I can't understand. Bono claims to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Why is he still looking? What's he searching for? Folks, we need to stop wandering. We've been delivered from our wandering. The contrast between Mount Sinai and Jerusalem is significant and it is important. What happened at Sinai can't be neglected and it shouldn't be forgotten, but what happened in Sinai was still only pointing us towards something greater to come. So the Ten Commandments were what? They were the law code to explain and help us to understand what it is to be a people of God's kingdom. God didn't say, if you'll do these things, I'll love you. Remember that? He said, I am the Lord your God. Because I am the Lord your God, you should live this way. In other words, he was giving them a picture of what the people of God should do. Remember, what is the kingdom of God? The people of God and the place of God under the rule and the blessing of God. God was giving out his rule and his blessing to his people whom he had delivered as they were on their way into the place where he would put them. Do you understand that in Jesus Christ, we've been delivered from our wandering and set free in our salvation? We have the full privileges, not only as citizens, but as sons of the king. At Sinai, the people knew where they were headed and who was taking them there, but they were still looking forward to their arrival. Folks, you've arrived. You're there. You've made it. Stop wandering. Stop searching. Folks, you found it. 
I'm afraid that sometimes we allow the world to really affect our understanding. You know, we, we, we jump on these weird little social media memes just looking for peace, trying to find my way. Folks, you found it. I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He is the path and the destination. We need not wander in the wilderness any longer because Jesus Christ has become our ultimate sacrifice and he is the peace of God for us. You've arrived. Believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to be reminded that you have arrived. You have a right. Some of you need to look in the mirror every once in a while. Not give yourself a pep talk about what you can do. Give yourself a pep talk about what Jesus has done for you. I'm already there. I'm already there. Are you living as a citizen of heaven? The first thing you need to do is stop wandering. Quit. You're home. The second thing I want you to do is to embrace the Lord. Not only have you arrived, you've arrived not only at a place, but as a person. Now, he talks about how we've arrived in Jerusalem, in the city of God, and that's important. But what's so important about the city of God? It's the city of God. Did, did you see that? It's the city of God. It's, it's, it's the holy city. What makes it holy? Because God is there. We talk about heaven. We talk about the church. But sometimes what gets overlooked in our Christian journey, the great joy is Christ. Imagine if we only talked about marriage by speaking about our house or our wedding ceremony. What if we only spoke about friendships by the things we did or the places we went? I got a good friend. Uh, I got a text from him this past week who just thanked me for being his friend. This is an old friend, one of those old friends. And uh, he, he thanked me for being his friend and for all the years of friendship that he and I had. And, uh, uh, and I, I reflect, of course, I'm, I'm so grateful for him. But as I thought about that, I thought about the things that he and I have done and the places we've been. When I look back at our friendship, I really don't talk about all the stuff. It's really just him. He's my friend. You understand? He is what makes up the friendship. When I think about my marriage, she is what makes up the marriage. And so often, somehow, when it comes to our Christianity, we talk about all the other things, but he is what makes up. The salvation, it is our relationship with Jesus Christ that matters most. He is the destination. We can stop our wandering because we've arrived at the Lord. And when we get there, check this out, we can embrace the Lord. This is something that was relatively unheard of. Well, not just relative. This is something that would have been unheard of. It was revolutionary for these Hebrew believers. Because they had built their entire life and understanding of who God was, beginning really not only in the beginning, but culminating there in, in the Ten Commandment experience. So God is a consuming fire, one that is holy and other. He is transcendent and far off. And he is one that we cannot touch because if we touch, we may fall dead. Just as Uriah the Hittite died when he touched the uh, the Ark of the Covenant, just as they were warned, don't even approach near the bottom of the mountain because they would die. And yet in Jesus Christ, God doesn't stay far off. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that Christ came and lived, tabernacled, made residence among us. That word tabernacle is important there because what it actually means is the kingdom of God came down and lived among the people of man. 
that the very sanctuary of God came and lived among us. The temple of God, Jesus Christ, is the picture of the temple. And he came and he lived among us. It was no longer necessary for people to have an intermediary to go between them and God because the temple of God, the Holy of Holies, had left the temple grounds and had come to the people. And the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, made it possible the veil was torn in half, and it made it possible for what? For the people of God to no longer be afraid of the mountain, but instead for the people of God to actually make it not just to Mount Sinai, but to the holy city of God, where they could not only see the Lord, but be embraced by the Lord and embrace the Lord. Folks, do you, do you understand the great privilege you have as a follower of Jesus Christ? is not first and foremost that you will inherit heaven, but first and foremost that you are loved by the God of the universe, and you have access into his presence. Live as a citizen of heaven. Living as a citizen of heaven means stopping our wondering, but it also means embracing the Lord. He's not a far-off despot. He's not a president with whom we cannot have an exchange or, or a relationship. Instead, he's a God who's invited us to his banqueting table, and his banner over us is love. This is the picture we have of a God who loves us. Living as a citizen of heaven means to stop our wandering, to embrace the Lord, and then finally to live with confidence. Why can you live with confidence? Now, this is pretty good. You can live with confidence not because of your own pride, not because of your own abilities. You can live with confidence because you've been invited to, welcomed into an eternal kingdom that will not fade if we turn back to Hebrews chapter 12 and we move all the way in, and, and let me just say this. I, I was tempted to take, take, take Hebrews 12, uh, the last part of Hebrews 12 here, and preach about six sermons through it, but I resisted that temptation, okay? So, so we're, we're trying to pack a lot into a short period of time. But we, we really could have jumped into this for a long, long time. But if we, we turn all the way over there um, and, and we look and begin in verse 27, once more this indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I want you to hold on to that consuming fire part because we're going to come back to that in just a minute. It's pretty powerful and it matters. But I want you to see this part first. This is a kingdom that cannot be shaken, one that is not passing. This is not a passing fad. Why can we live with confidence? We can live with confidence because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can live with confidence because we need not fear that someday we're going to wake up and there's going to be a new thing that's coming. We can live with confidence because God's kingdom isn't dependent upon elections, right? We can live with confidence because God's kingdom isn't dependent upon the power of the military. God's kingdom isn't dependent upon taxes. God's kingdom isn't dependent upon whether or not there is or isn't global warming. God does not need any of our help. His kingdom is eternal and will never, ever be shaken. He will never fail. He will never falter. There will come a time when all of this will pass away. But the kingdom of God will remain forever. Yes, there will come a time when there will be a sifting and a shaking. And all of that that is shaken and falls away will be gone because those are the things that didn't matter anyway. But what will last forever? The word of God, the people of God, the things of God, the kingdom of God shall remain. Now, that brings us back to this consuming fire. 
Now, this is a bookend because there at the beginning of what we read and what we end, we read about this fiery God, this God who boomed from the mountaintops. And then we read there at the end that he is a consuming fire. And it's important for us to remember that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are not two separate gods. He is the same. He does not change. And because he is unchanging when he says that his kingdom is eternal, we can take it to the bank. But not only is it an eternal kingdom, folks, I want you to know that it is not a safe kingdom. Are you safe in the arms of God? Yes, but does that mean that it is a safe kingdom? It is a safe God? Absolutely not. He is a consuming fire. Mount Sinai shook with the thunder from God's voice. His eternal kingdom will not shake, but God is not diminished. He is a consuming fire. His character has not changed but we've been given access to him not because of our goodness but through the blood of Jesus Christ do you understand that God didn't change Mount Sinai is still unapproachable by all who are sinful the holy city of God is still unapproachable for all those who are sinful the only hope that we have it's Jesus Christ. I didn't know what passage of Scripture Buster was going to read this morning. I'm so glad that he read that passage. The only hope we have to be able to inherit eternal life, to enjoy this eternal kingdom of our Lord, is for our hope to be built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, right? For our hope to be founded not on the shaking, shifting sand of our abilities and our efforts at righteousness, but instead to be built upon the sure foundation that is Jesus Christ, our Savior and our God. It's not as though God just got nice and said, I'll turn a blind eye to everything that's going to happen. Y'all just come on into the house. No, Jesus paid the price for our sin so that the holiness of God would find its satisfaction in the punishment of the perfect Lamb of God. We only have access into this eternal kingdom because the ultimate price was paid for you and for me. But because that price was paid by the sinless, spotless, selfless Lamb of God, Son of God, Third, second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, because that penalty was paid by the eternal Son of God who overcame death, hell, sin, and the grave. Because the price was paid by him, we have this great confidence. His kingdom will never be shaken, and we are welcomed into his presence. So are you living as citizens of heaven? Why can you live with confidence? You've been invited into an eternal kingdom. But you know, sometimes Christians are a little too attached to this world. We can forget that our primary citizenship is not in the kingdom of man. We can forget that our primary citizenship is not subject to elections and upheaval. We can forget that our primary goal is not to know the person of Jesus Christ. When I was in the 10th grade, uh, um, I, I think I mentioned this before, I did track in high school. I, 
I threw. I, I'm not much of a runner, as you might imagine. When I was in the 10th grade, we, uh, we were beating a team to death. I mean, really bad. We approached the end of the track meet. The last, I guess the last event still, last event of the track meet then was the 4x8 or the 4x400 relay. And so we approached the end of the meet. We had the best 4x400 relay in the state. And the team that we were competing against uh, were still in single digits. We were beating them by 40 or 50 points. And this race was worth just a few. Um, and my coach felt like it would be a, a poor display of sportsmanship to run his, his best athletes against theirs. And so um, rather than that, and, and in retrospect, I'm not sure this was better sportsmanship. I think he was doing it with the right intention. But rather than that, he said, we'll just grab some guys and see if we'll let them run the race and see what happens. And so he grabbed me and, and a few others and said, I want you to run the 4 by 400 relay. I said, I think I can do that. You know, what's the worst thing that could happen? And, and so we had about 10 minutes to get ready. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's how long you had to prepare. And what happened is we had one of, uh, one of, one of the, um, the, the, the regular uh, relay team members took one of us um, uh, relievers or whatever they called us, imposters, and they coached us up a little bit before the race. So they had just a couple minutes to tell us what to do. And this is what I was told. Don't start off too fast. That's all I said. Don't start off too fast. I said, I got this. No big deal. I'm going to run 400 meters. I can do that. Don't start off too fast. I got it, man. I got it. Guys, his name was Taraz. I got this. So I'm lined up. Starting gun goes, whoa, that'd be bad, wouldn't it? Starting gun goes off, and man, I'm gone, right? I'm just cruising. Everything feels all right. I come out of the first turn. I look back. I'm in the lead. I can't believe this. Coming out of the second turn, I'm still in the lead. I'm coming down the back stretch, and I'm beginning to stretch it out. And I think, this is not that hard. Maybe I'm faster than I realized. Maybe I should have been doing this all along. And as I come into the third turn, I have really stretched out my lead. I'm probably ahead by 30 or 40 yards. What I didn't know was there's something in that third turn. I don't know what it was, but it hit me in the face. And coming out of the third turn, I stopped running, and I started limping. And my chest felt like it was going to blow up. And the, the, the air left. I don't know where all the oxygen went. There was nothing. By the time I came out of the fourth turn, it was a miracle that I could stand up. And as I come down the home stretch, I'm waiting to hear the people cheering. But the only thing they're saying is, you can finish. You can make it. And about that time, I see this guy just go past me. And he went so fast and so far, I couldn't even read his number anymore. I don't know what his number was. I don't know his name. Y'all, by the time I got to the finish line, they weren't cheering anymore. They were, they, somebody literally caught me as I crossed the finish line. I couldn't wait to get to the finish line. But what I realized when I got to the finish line was the finish line didn't matter near as much as the people who were on the other side of that finish line. I don't know who caught me, but for some reason my dad was in the infield, and whoever had caught me was tired of holding me up, and they passed me off to my dad, and my dad literally held me up as I tried not to lose all of my lunch all over the infield of that track meet. I learned a valuable lesson. The people there mattered a whole lot more than the place I got to. I needed them a lot more than I needed to finish. I needed somebody. Folks, I thought I was just trying to finish. What I didn't realize is that I was really just trying to get to the people that I, that I needed in that moment. That's a pretty funny story, but the reality is, we all find ourselves getting lost sometimes and confused about what really matters the most in life. And it can happen for us in, 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 in normal life. We can forget that marriage is really about the person we're married to and not the things we've accumulated or the things we've accomplished. We can forget about that with our friendships and we can think that our friendships are about the stuff we did and not the person that we did them with. And folks, we can forget about it as it relates to our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. 
we can begin to believe that all this is about heaven one day or the place I'll be or the things that God can do for me and forget that really and truly living as a citizen of heaven is all about the person that's waiting to catch us when we cross the finish line. The person into whose arms we get to fall, the person that we get to be with. Living as a citizen of heaven, we can forget sometimes that we need not fear man. What can people do to us? Instead, we fear only God who can, as the Bible says, cast both body and soul into hell. But we need not even fear him. Why? Because even though our God is a consuming fire, our Savior has gone in between for us. He is our Redeemer, and he is our friend, and ultimately he is our goal. He's our destination. He's our hope. And so this morning, I urge you, stop your wandering. You're home. Embrace the Lord. He loves you. And live with confidence, not in your abilities, not in your giftedness, not even in your faith. You live with confidence that his salvation will never, ever end. I, um, I can't wait for the election to be over so that I can stop talking about it, thinking about it, seeing it on my TV all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm really just tired of hearing the ads and seeing the ads. I can't wait for COVID to be behind us so that we can stop talking about it, thinking about it, seeing the ads, all the other things. But if we're not careful, we begin to believe that if we just put all that behind us, then everything will be okay. If we're not careful, we can, we can continue to be looking at what's coming next and hoping for what's laying ahead. See, all of that happens when we forget that we are ultimately, primarily, first and foremost, citizens not of this world, but citizens of God's kingdom. I don't have to keep worrying about what's going to come next, and neither do you. So I urge you this morning, stop wandering. You've already arrived. Embrace the Lord. He loves you. And live with confidence. Because though this world may shake, though it may teeter and fall, the kingdom of our God will reign forever. And he's invited us to be a part of it. If you're here this morning and you've forgotten the privilege of belonging to Jesus, you just need somebody to pray with you this morning just to be reminded that there's more in this life than what this world has to offer. Listen, Pastor Buster will be inside. For those of you who are indoors, he'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you out here. Perhaps this morning, though, perhaps the greatest commitment that you'll make to Jesus won't come through a prayer, but through the lifting of your voice. This morning, we're fixing to sing, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. And folks, I just want to remind you that we can stop our wandering. We can stop wondering and wandering. The earth will soon dissolve like snow. The sun will forbear to shine. But God who called me here below will be forever mine.
This morning, regardless of where you are, I would urge you to lift your voice in praise and in victory because you belong to Jesus. But if you don't belong to Jesus this morning, if you don't know that what it is to be a citizen of this great kingdom, if you're not sure how you would ever find salvation, I want you to know today that God loves you right where you are. In regards of why you're here or what you've done or what your past holds, that God stands ready today to enter into a relationship with you, to forgive you, to make you whole. This morning, if I could, I'd love to pray with you about that, to talk with you about what it means to become a follower of Jesus. However, the Lord's at work in your life, would you stand with us as we sing?